It's 7 o'clock. Thursday Night Talk starts right now. And welcome to Thursday Night Talk. This week, Brenda Starr is our host. We welcome your contributions. Give us a call at 826-4805. If you're out of the area, toll free at 800-640-5911. And we accept text messages at 492-KHSU. Good evening. Thank you, Michael. You are listening to Thursday Night Talk here on KHSU. And uh, you can join me this evening in a discussion about Measure M, the measure that will decide whether the statue of President William McKinley will be taken off the Arcata Plaza. A yes vote is to keep the statue on the plaza. No voters want to have the statue removed. My guests this evening are uh, on the phone. We have um, Lewis Gordon uh, in the studio here. Eric Rydberg, Michael Winkler, and Lisa Morehouse. As Michael said, we're going to open it up to uh, your questions and comments later. But first, I want to introduce my guests, and I'll have them introduce themselves and their names so y'all can, who are listening will recognize their voices. Um, Lewis, are you on the phone? I am. Okay, let's start with you. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, thanks to everybody listening. My name is Lewis Gordon. I'm calling in remotely from Amstapipagani country in the south part of the Blackfeet Confederacy up in what is now Montana. Uh, and I am a graduate of the Native American Studies program at Humboldt State University. And I currently work for a Native American uh, nonprofit. And I'm out here doing work. And um, yeah, I've spent my entire adult life uh, dedicated to decolonization and to combating the ongoing effects of imperialism in communities all over the world. Thank you. And thank you for being here this evening. And um, um, let's go to Lisa. Introduce yourself. My name is Lisa Morehouse. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, I am a graduate of Humboldt State University. My degree is in uh, interpersonal and corporate mediation. I am a mother of two and a husband. I have a husband and we own a business in Blue Lake. And I'm not an activist. And as you can tell by my voice, I'm not comfortable speaking in public. But um, I'm here because it's important to me to be able to uh, express myself in an environment where I feel like I can be heard. Um, So I'd like to say thank you. You're welcome. Michael? I've uh, been a member of the Arcata City Council for the last uh, 20 years. And you or, I'm are. sorry, for the last 10 years. I've been involved with the um, city government for about 20 years. I work professionally as an uh, energy engineer on sustainable energy. That uh, Politically, I can consider myself a strong liberal. I even go back to a rally that I attended of Martin Luther King in 1964. So I came from a very uh, family very supportive of uh, civil rights for people of color. And, um, but uh, this is an issue that I felt very strongly about where I felt like due process was not happening and that it was important for this to be taken to the citizens of Arcata rather than just being decided in a very raucous, angry crowd. And that's Michael Winkler, who is on the Arcata City Council. In case he didn't introduce himself that way. And, Eric? Um... Chimai Toshi Chimai Emtai Eric Yamo Aka Rydberg Kenoho Po Kashaya Pomo Acha Mayal Moto Wea Ama 
Yeah, we, we are no po. I'm saying hello. My name is Eric Rydberg. I'm uh, Kashiapomo Indian. I'm saying that we're on Weot land, and I just want to say first and foremost, thank you to the Weot people uh, for uh, allowing us all to be here. And thank you too, Brenda. I'm happy to be here. So we're going to start this by, uh, well, first I'm going to just talk a little bit about McKinley himself and then get into what the statue meant for you and why you, it was something that uh, you, you're you speaking about and, and you're here today. And, and as you said, um, it's not necessarily what, what you thought you'd be doing, but, but you're here. <laughs> William McKinley was the 25th president of the United States, a Republican who was in his second term when he was assassinated at the Temple of Music in Buffalo, New York by anarchist Leon Solkultz. He was the third president assassinated during the 19th century. After the McKinley assassination, the Secret Service protected future presidents more carefully and around the clock. And while Solkos was convicted and sentenced to death in the electric chair, anarchists such as Emma Goldman were deported from the U.S. and subsequently an organization called the FBI developed out of a need to surveil individuals and groups who appeared to want to subvert the U.S. government. So the statue represents uh, an interesting uh, time in, in, in this country. Um, there are social and there are political considerations in regards to removing a statue. So let's go back and talk about, especially since Michael's here with the council, I believe it was in February. Oh, first I wanted to talk about, I was, I went back and read some stuff and I was reading an op-ed from, uh, an, uh, an old mayor of Arcata, and she said, this this comes up every 20 years, the removal of the statue. And um, and what precipitated this current uh, uh, r- removal of the statue is something that I wanted to talk about as well. Um, it's not so much as, we t- as I listen to people here. This is not a Democrat versus Republican issue. This is kind of a past versus a future issue. Um, and there are a lot of social and political considerations. So within that context, I'd love for you to have a conversation now uh, talking about those things and, and, and how you feel about them. And whoever wants to jump in and start, feel free. Well, I feel that a lot of this has been triggered by conflicts that have evidenced uh, the most with the election of Donald Trump. That um, there's been a, this uh, county was um, very supportive of uh, Bernie Sanders for president. And so I think there are a lot of people who, who feel uh, dissatisfied with how things are going in the country. The other thing that's happened, and I think that is an outgrowth of that, is the removal of uh, Confederate-oriented statues in the Southeast, that those are seen as vestiges of, of uh, racism and domination of people of color. And so I think that people here have adopted that and have seen injustice towards uh, Native Americans and, and people of color, but uh, I think that, unfortunately, in this case, it's misdirected, and that although I think you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> yeah, step Sorry, in, continue. Lewis. Yeah, so I think uh, the way I see it is part of the fundamental miscommunication in Arcata about the statue is some people, one side, seems to be talking about the man, the president. William McKinley and his legacy, and the other side of, 
of uh, the debate, oftentimes seems to be literally talking about a piece of bronze. And, and they say that the statue never hurt anybody. They say that why should we change it now? It's been here for so long. It's been an honor place in our community. Why does it need to go now? And I think that uh, the critical failing of the statue has been education. The people of Arcata have never been educated up until this moment in history about uh, the history and the policies of William McKinley in the United States in the South, in Indian country, in the Pacific, in the Caribbean, all around the world. Well, if it comes up every 20 years, I think the, some of the public is, is educated about it. It's a, it's a matter of uh, when is an opportune time. Um, it's right now. Yeah, well, all we have is right now. Well, I feel that uh, one thing that's been, uh, I think, by and large neglected by the anti-statue activists is the very, very strong family history and very strong personal history of William McKinley, who came from a very strong abolitionist family, was adamantly opposed to slavery at the age of 18, volunteered for the Union Army because of his very personal, strong opposition to slavery and, and ending slavery, something uh, inspired by many people. Uh, uh, African-American activists, of course, who played a critical role, but also certainly the election of Abraham Lincoln. And then when McKinley himself became president, that he made an extra effort to um, hire uh, African-Americans for the federal government when he was president, or before he was president, when he was running for president in, 19, in 1896, he very actively campaigned for the, the votes of African-American voters in the South at the same time that the, at that time, very racist and KKK-aligned Democratic Party were doing everything they can to eliminate voting rights. And so even though what was being done by the Republican Party was inadequate, that was the party that had ended slavery and had kept the United States as a united country. And, and William McKinley was part of it. He was the last Civil War veteran who had been president. And so I think that he had very strong commitment to that. And I think that's what we should recognize I don't support everything that he did, but I think on balance, we should recognize that, especially in the context of his time, you know, he was a popular president. I think he deserved his popularity. And I think he was a, you know, um, I say, so rather than, I think what's been happening is statute in a lot of ways has arbitrarily been defined as the, as the symbol of all the harm that's been done to Native Americans and, and people of color. And I think a lot of that is is not, is not the because of the actions of William McKinley or his administration, but rather this 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 statue has become the symbol. And if you if you want to keep the statue, then you're 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 seen as, as being uh, uh, you know, outside the pale. That you're you know you're for immorality and that your your position is unacceptable. Well, that. Right. That's why I'm here today is to represent that feeling that I have. I'm not here to defend any atrocities that happened in my in our past. I'm not here to change anybody's mind, but I am here to represent my voice. And one thing that we have in common and for all of us to be able to live on this land together today, which is the reality of the current situation, unless that is ultimately going to change with the slippery slope argument of where do we stop taking away my history to give back to the Native Americans' history, but... What um, is your history with the statue? My history with the statue isn't necessarily as much with the statue as it is with historical landmarks in our society, and we have... 
if we, if we want to really talk realistically and truthfully about the reality of the situation, the white man came and forcefully took the land from the Native Americans. So it's a statue, it's a street, it's a power pole, it's a sidewalk, it's a building, it's every image and monument and icon that we look at in our current day lives that represent white men and his taking of the land. So for me, since we both value our cultures and we both value our heritage, we need to find common ground where we can all live together and all have our histories represented. And so the, the statue is a historical monument. The plaza has been um, labeled a historical landmark. There are dozens and dozens of homes within the city of Arcata that if any one of those things came down, the statue, the Lady Anne, the Presbyterian Church, the Jacoby Storehouse, the university, any of those icons that I identify with as part of my culture living here, I would take offense to and I would stand up to protect those things. So I'm not protecting the evils that were perpetuated on the indigenous people. And I am not saying that I don't want to incorporate all of that into our lives. When there are celebrations or there's crafts fairs where people are selling their goods the, down at um, the Potawat Village, I enjoy that, I embrace that, I love that. And it seems that today, if you stand up for one thing that might be important to you, ideologically and not necessarily agreeing with the behaviors of that man, but just the monuments in my culture here, I'm deemed a racist and I'm deemed um, a white supremacist. I'm shamed into voting no on Measure M. And as long as we are going to find this divisiveness in our current culture, and not learn to live together, there will be racism coming from both sides. It's, it's, everybody keeps talking about the, the white man and how racist they are, but I have felt a lot of racism directed at me. I, I have raised two girls in this community to make friends and, and make allies based not on someone's skin color or ethnicity, but on their character, their personalities, and who they are as people. And I have lived my entire life on this land She's, so, so how do you propose uh, um, getting along? I don't want to be la laughed at or mocked because this is generally an, as important to me as it is to you. But I have lived my life. I have volunteered in my community and I have done things for people that I have not once stopped and said, are you Native American? I'm not going to help you. Are you African American? I'm not going to help you. We have lived here together, and I have done but my... So we are tribe that's uh, called to Louis, down, and you are not helping them. Yes. Louis, would it would be okay if I step in, step in here? Yeah. Um, so I, me and Louis are part of the No On Measure M committee, and we are literally here to represent the Weat tribe. I spoke with Ted Hernandez this morning, and he was telling me about their history of Arcata, the three to 4,000 um, Weat people that between 1850 and 1860 were reduced down to a couple doves right. and slaves. Right. That included George Zender's seven-year-old child slave. Right. Uh, he's the one who put up the statue. George Zender spent $15,000 to put that statue up. Uh, he owned a seven-year-old girl, a child slave. He named, renamed her Lucy. Um, and so 
we're here to represent the Weot tribe. We're here to represent our endorsers, the Yurok tribe, Churai Ancestral Society, over 50 different organizations that have endorsed No on M, uh, the dozens of uh, businesses, um, local musicians and individuals that have come together uh, to support the No on Measure M committee. Uh, that has done this really, really hard work with uh, of, of extremely small grassroots budget. We followed every uh, rule and regulation to be able to do this uh, completely on the up and up. And um, we haven't violated any rules or regulations to do it. And we've done it all on people power and no money power. And when you live on Weot land, thousands of years old Weot land, and the Weot tribe unanimously votes as a tribal council to say, remove this statue that was put up by a child slave owner. Um, that alone is the reason why everybody should vote no on M. And to vote yes on M is to say to the Weot tribe, we don't care what you want. This well, is about us. This is about me and my two kids. Okay. This is about me and my church. This is about me and my college graduation my photo with the statue. Um, this is not about what the Weah tribe wants. Right. But you demean me when you say that about my college photo and my hmm. kids in this community because time doesn't define a person's history as relevant or irrelevant. It's my history. It's relevant. Your history is relevant. By my saying yes to the statue is your interpretation of me not caring or being a racist, but that does not define me. I define me, and my actions in my life define me. I have not lived a racist life. And for me to want to preserve my culture, which the statue is part of that, is not shameful, and it's not... Um, Gotcha. Racist. Well, you know, McKin well, well oh, excuse me, I, you just talked recently. But, um, I mean, what's been happening repeatedly is that the no and measure M people keep wanting to talk about the time before McKinley. So McKinley is being held guilty for all these crimes against Native Americans that were done years before McKinley was president. And, and, and so the no and M people saying you have to include all that. And what I'm saying is this is, a statue, this is a statue of William McKinley. It's not a statue of Christopher Columbus. It's not a statue of Robert E. Lee. It's not a statue of Zender. It's a statue of William McKinley. And, and we should judge, on, it was on balance and for the times that he lived, was McKinley a good person worthy of respect or is he not? And I think the rest is not relevant to this vote. Well, it's kind of it's kind of hard when we look at statues and we and we look at what was were they a good person in their time? I think that's kind of a slippery slope there. In their time, lots of people were good people, and what they were doing wasn't considered. Uh, let's just say, for the lack of a better term, you know, bad. Um, so. In that time frame, you know, there are a lot of people that were, were good people and did good deeds, but might have, you know, s still had had uh, issues that if were brought into modern time, we'd have we'd have a lot of issues with them. So, so there's 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 that one that's that that always has been has been rearing its head for the past two years, and that's only been this past two years. But let's go back to why was if if I read that op-ed. And, and Alex said this comes up every 20 years. Why would it come up every 20 years? If, if it's about 
if it's about McKinley just being his manifest destiny in the Pacific and, you know, and all those other things. Um, I mean, uh, when, when we look at history today, um, we, we see things differently. Um, uh, Michael Beschloss is a, is a, as an author, and he, he recently, he just came out with a book, Presidents of War. Um, and uh, I, I was watching PBS NewsHour the other night, and Judy Woodruff was asking him about, you know, we notice it's presidents of war, not at war. Is there a reason for that? And he says, yes, there is, because a lot of this is presidents deciding to go to war and not always the way you think. He, he started telling a, a story about James Polk going, you know, with the Mexicans because they needed to have a, a big war against Mexico to expand uh, the country to the Pacific. And on Will, William McKinley, he said in the 1890s, the American ship, the Maine, was sunk off Havana. We went into this big war against Spain. Turns out it was a boiler accident, wasn't the Spanish. Now we know by reading history that McKinley was, it didn't necessarily want to go into that war and had a lot of things that said, well, you know, it, um, how did this accident happen? Where, where people wanted the accident to be caused by the Spanish so we can get into this war. So we look at a broader, we, we pull out a little bit and we and we see something that what we thought was why it happened maybe you know uh, years later and centuries later not as what has happened do you see that part of that is 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 percolates with these conversations with statues yeah i mean we really need to look at mckinley's record as a president you know uh serving coffee in the civil war compared to him as a president or whoever he was as a kid, as a president, he passed Proclamation 460. He abolished the tribal governments, the land rights, and the courts. These are civilized courts. These aren't savage people that aren't capable of governing themselves. He abolished the tribal okay. courts, the land rights. Of the tribes known as the five civilized tribes in Oklahoma. Yeah, well, I'm talking about Proclamation 460, which a lot of people don't even know about, which is the Kiowa, the Comanche, the Wichita, mm. the Apache. What uh, Lewis is talking about is the Curtis Act that he signed on, that abolished the tribal governments of the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Creek, uh, the Chickasaw, and the Seminole. Seminole. Right. And so the Cherokee were mass agricultural producers, you know, and they they had done a magnificent job of integrating into our capitalist society. Uh, they were mass producing agriculture. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Jackson was ruled unconstitutional by the uh, Supreme Court with the Indian Relocation Act. And he just went ahead and, and did it anyways and completely destroyed their culture and uh, McKinley went on to do the Benevolent Assimilation Proclamation which uh, like you say were, that three times fast right <laughs> now that's what you're talking about with Spain now he went in the Philippines where some islands had already received or had been liberated from Spain and he proceeded to uh, take that entire area and in doing so his men his leaders uh, had uh, orders to murder every Filipino boy over the age of 10. This is like hundreds of thousands, mil potentially millions of people that were genocided and murdered off, put in concentration camps, and rampant child killing that went on under uh, McKinley's colonization of the Philippines. And that doesn't take into account my fam My great-grandfather is from Guam. And his family put him on a fishing boat in this time to get him away from the naval occupation of Guam, where they came in and illegalized everybody's religion. 
not just the Chamorro, not just my people, Chamorro's religion, but Spain had colonized it earlier. So they legalized Catholicism to be able to take dissenters that were resisting against that occupation and just lock them up. All they had to do was say, just like the laws even here after uh, the abolition of slavery made it so a Native American right here in California, right here in Arcata, a Native American can never testify in court against a white man. And uh, that we had to be placed up for auction within 48 hours of being found guilty. Um, over there, they legalized their religion. So if they, all they would have to say is that, oh, here they would say, oh, a Native American person did this. And then uh, the Native could never say anything back. And over there, they'd say, oh, he was practicing his religion or they were practicing their religion. And it was the colonizer's word over them. And they would lock people up. And million, millions of people died, and the same thing McKinley did in Hawaii by taking the Hawaii away from the queen with, um, with a joint resolution so that the sugar barons could have their trade routes. Um, I mean, this is a person that didn't accidentally get put into a war over a sunken ship. This is a person that said that he had a dream from God that said he needed to take all these lands because it was he coined the term, he quoted the term manifest destiny, right? And we know we can look through history and see that manifest destiny, that extreme Christian view that if you're not a uh, Christian or if you're not white, you can't self-govern like the Cherokee. They said that about them, even though they're mass agricultural producers. You can't, um, you can't govern. That's why McKinley abolished all these tribal governments because he said manifest destiny. These people are savage and cannot, are incapable of governing themselves. Except that what he actually, well, there was something that we no longer accept of trying to break up uh, communal lands and, and privatize them. It's a very similar process to what happened at the end of communism in Russia, which was also very abused. The, the, uh, Curtis was a was a uh, half-native uh, senator from, from Kansas who saw this as being a positive thing of uh, assimilating Native Americans in, into white culture, something that we regard negatively now. But at the time, people thought that that was, some, that was something that would be good for Native Americans, and, and, and it's something that we no longer accept. And uh, Charles Curtis himself had, had saw himself as being assimilated and thought that other Native Americans should also be assimilated in the same way that he had been. This is something that we, that we don't accept. But uh, as I said, going back to McKinley, McKinley was thought that even though we wouldn't accept it now, that, that all people residing in the United States should be citizens of the United States and should be free in the way that he defined being free, even if people felt that they by their traditions, they would rather stay in, in a more of a traditional communal um, arrangement that they had that they had been living in. Well, there are three. And in, doing the, and in doing that, he violated the Constitution by breaking up the tribal holdings of those treaty recognized tribes. And the Constitution, the United States Constitution, it says treaties are the supreme law of the land. Also relating to the Constitution, Emilio Aguinaldo, the president of the Philippine Republic, the very short-lived body that was in power for really just a few months between uh, the Spanish naval defeat at the Bay of Manila and then the United States takeover of the Philippines, that I have studied the Constitution of the United States of America attentively, and I find no authority for colonies, and I have no fear. That was his critical error, thinking that the United States government would follow its own Constitution. Just uh, 
to remind our listeners that you're listening to Thursday Night Talk here on KHSU. I'm Brenda Starr, your host, and we're having a discussion about Measure M, the measure that will decide whether the statue of President William McKinley will be taken off of the Arcata Plaza. A yes vote is to keep the statue on the plaza. No voters want to have the statue removed. My guests are Lois Gordon on the phone, Eric Ryberg, Michael Winkler, and Lisa Morehouse here in the studio. Your comments or questions are welcome. Please call us here at 826-4805. Toll-free number is 800-640-5911. If you don't want to be on air, you can text 492-5478, and Michael will read them on the air. We do welcome your calls. Talking about uh, just manifest destiny, I, I like to just throw out some, you know, uh, definitions every once in a while, especially when I have a lot a group here. So in the 19th century, as, as you were referring to, Manifest Destiny was a widely held belief in the United States that its settlers were destined to expand across North America. There are three basic themes to Manifest Destiny. The special virtues of the American people and their institution. The mission of the United States to redeem and remake the West in the image of agrarian America, or possibly other other nations agrarian, and an irresistible destiny to accomplish this essential duty. So just that so we know that we're working from, you know, that was the definition uh, of the times. So, I mean, I want to get into what has actually transpired. A lot of voters don't actually know that this uh, voting no on Measure M is just to continue the process that the elected officials voted for, four to one. Now, they voted to it for it four to one uh, because there was months and months and years and years of debate on this issue. And after listening to literally hundreds of public comments, after literally reaching out to uh, the Arcata City Council has two, two proclamations that they made in 2016. One was the Indigenous Peoples Day Proclamation that states uh, the Arcata City Council acknowledges that uh, all institutions should remove uh, sy symbols of systemic racism against American Indian people and that they're dedicated. The wording is that they are dedicated to removing systemic sim symbols of uh, racism, particularly against indigenous people. And then also there was a proclamation to support uh, the Standing Rock in 2016 uh, with the Dakota Access Pipeline. And in, in that, it stated that um, Native American tribes should be consulted before things like pipelines get put through um, their, their lands. So the Arcata City Council did and followed its requirements. It asked the Wiat tribe, it asked the indigenous people of this continent, what do you want us to do about this statue? And the Wiat tribe unanimously said, remove the statue. From that point, the Arcata City Council voted four to one to remove the statue. The, the Arcata City Council is not the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority is the citizens of Arcata. That, um, a process that we followed, which unfortunately we had, um, was to gather signatures and to qualify this for the ballot. That is, more, that, has, that is the ultimate power of the citizens of Arcata, much more powerful than the, than the vote of five people on the city council. That in the process of gathering signatures, we were severely, severely harassed. There was one incident in which I went into a store in Arcata and one of the, one of the people of the, the no on M blocked me from leaving, tried to interfere with me from, from uh, gathering a signature. That people on the plaza 
who were trying to gather signatures had people screaming at them and in their, their face. And there was just a consistent, consistent pattern. At city council meetings, we had people saying, this whole system is corrupt. The people of Arcata are racist. We, the, the most important reason why we can't have this go to the vote is because the people of Arcata is so racist and they're, and, and they're gonna make a, a racist decision. At, there was an extremely threatening atmosphere. One incident that was extremely disturbing at one of these meetings is that one of the women who had spoken in favor of the statue, as she was leaving, two people who, to her, looked like, like they were Native Americans said, we're keeping track of people like you. And, and they, they used a very racist term, but what they said basically was that they were going to mutilate her and they were going to kill her. Okay, that's a hearsay, and what you did write to David LaRue was when David LaRue wrote you, I was extremely upset about the vote on the McKinley statue, and I have no doubt if we put it to a vote uh, that it would go the same way as the old fluoride vote, right? So you're talking about that old fluoride vote. You replied, thank you very much for writing me. I am very upset about this rude, disrespectful, self-righteous behavior uh, of the crowd and the contempt of... Um, of them and then you went on to say i don't believe that legally i can be involved in the injunction process if you qualify to ballot measure i can endorse it from there you violated the arcata city ethics code in multiple ways you violated the arcata city ethics code uh, when it says the conduct of members shall refrain from abusive conduct this is council members the conduct of members shall refrain from abusive conduct, personal charges, or verbal attacks upon the character or motives of the members of the council, board, commissions, and the public. You went on in public to state that it was a lynch mob called people vigilantes, recently blamed the defacement of the Arcata statue, which we have no idea who did that or what motives were. You blamed it on the Measure M. You also violated your... Um, advocacy part of the uh, ethics code where it says members shall uh, represent the official policies or positions of the city council which is removal of the statue that's the official policy uh, when when representing their individual options the positions and positions members shall explicitly state that they do not represent their body or city nor will they allow the inference that they do which multiple people you blatantly said that I am Michael Winkler, Arcata City Council person, and I am signing this petition to get on the ballot. Then you went on to continue violating. The protocol manual is advisory. It's not legally binding. It's self-regulating. So there's no one to hold you accountable, right? So if you don't think you're wrong, there's no one to hold you accountable. And even though the NAACP... Our local NAACP asked the Arcata City Council to put a censure on you for blaming the res resignation of Chief Chapman on the black community, for calling people a lynch mob, for making statements like you just made the other day saying, like, you know that it's no on M people. We have made a statement, the No on Measure M Committee, saying that we uh, have no idea who did that. We do not condone that. And we've been working so very hard to make sure that we do this by the book, that we feel that this is hurting us. And you somehow seem to know exactly who it was to do, that did it and what their motives are. As an Arcata City Council person is against the ethics code that are self-regulating, so nobody's going to hold you accountable 
for you not to make assumptions on the modus of the public and people, but yet you've done it over and over and over again. Okay, well, I, I, I'd, li- I'd, well, like, I'd like to give Michael a, a chance to talk about this, but we do have three callers that, that have been waiting. So if we can get to those, this is not going to go away, and, and I certainly would give you a chance to respond to that. And I'd, if I want the callers to go first, but I also would like to have some, um, some time absolutely, to say Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know who our callers are. Uh, so, if you can identify yourself, please, uh, welcome to Thursday Night Talk. Hello? All right. How about number two? <laughs> Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, hi. Hi. My name is Sarah, and um, thank you for holding this discussion tonight. Um, I think it's really important to hear these points of view. And um, my question's kind of general, and it might be a little off topic to what you were currently discussing, but... In regards to the statue, um, when I think about it, I wonder about um, when it was erected, when it was proposed, um, what was there before it was put up? How did the community feel about that space? How did they use the space? And when is it appropriate to just change what we put in the center of town to reflect our current times to be the history holder for future generations? When do we get to change that? When do we get to put something that's in the center of our community that represents the time that is now um, for the future generations to take pictures in front of or to have cultural, um, you know, relations to. I'm just wondering, when is it okay to change that? When do we make that shift in history? Do we always keep something that's there forever or do we make changes to reflect our current time? Well, the yes on end committee would say, yes, keep the statue forever without change in perpetuity for all time. The no on Measure M um, says give the oppor- give the public the opportunity to have a chance to dream and envision what the center of their town could look like. The public in a way that serves all. The public would represent even the white people who are the oppressors of the land, right? So nobody's saying that that, that it wouldn't. I mean, that's that's kind of why I'm here. I really want to ask a genuine question. I genuinely want to know this. So, I'm sorry, I'm having a hard time formulating my words, but when, when we want the statue removed because it's oppressive and it's offensive, and I know I'm getting a little off topic from the caller's question, but Lewis, when you opened up with your introduction, you want, you want, your introduction said that you want to bring the land back to the indigenous people. And so I'm curious to know, and I also want to say that a lot of people feel strongly about the plaza having a statue there, but they were intimidated or shamed into silence, that they don't feel they can speak. And I think the February 21st meeting was very, very... A representative of that so I know that you've got a lot of supporters on Major M that speak out but there are a lot of ma- um, people supporting yes that are intimidated or afraid to speak out but I collected signatures and there were a lot of people that had told me you are so brave to put a letter in the paper or to go on the radio because you're putting a target on your back so I'm sitting here talking about my feelings about my history and Eric's guest in the corner that our listeners can't see is laughing while I'm talking. That's so disrespectful. And your community of Native Americans want respect, but they're not willing to give respect. They won't let people... Well, 
that so laugh at me some more you can well that's one that's one example that you're bringing up that's Instead one example of the, the they, if, if we, we could stick away from the they out and, about our yeah. opinions I on the statue all native americans don't well I? I knocked on the door of that a must woman be a great responsibility <laughs> i knocked on the door of a Everyone. woman who resides in arcata and just looking at her i i assumed she was native american but then she actually told me she was and i told her why i was knocking on her door and i was a little nervous because mm. i thought okay here goes and um she said, I'm totally in support of the statue, and I will sign your petition, and I will vote yes to keep the statue. Mm -hmm. We, as a people, have so many other issues that are more pressing on us. For example, drugs and alcoholism, and it's in every culture, but it's, it's also in the Native American culture. And she felt that the problems facing the Native Americans for her, I'm speaking for her, I'm not speaking for me, are not being adequately addressed, that more time and energy is being spent on the statue. But if we put a gazebo in the middle of town, how, how is that representing the indigenous people? If you want to bring this land back to the indigenous people, then you're saying that only your history matters. And so I'm wondering when the statue comes down, what's next? People are ashamed to live on Zedner Avenue. They, they complain they have to put that on their return postage. They are ashamed of going into the Jacoby storehouse because A.J. Jacoby owned a, a slave girl. They don't, um, there's so many things. I mean, there's so many things. My, I mean, my culture. Child being slavery is shameful. Yeah, yes, it is. But I, I, why, can I, ask, can I please rephrase my question? Cause I'm not sure it was addressed. No, it wasn't. I, I apologize for that. I, I, I would really like to know, because this has been the biggest thing on my mind when I think about that statue is that it seems to bring up so much hostile energy between people who feel so strongly culturally and historically about it. And my point is, when are we allowed to wipe the slate clean, start over, and represent who we are as a community now? Why does having a gazebo, though, represent cultural point of view? Why can't it just be a space where we can all be inclusively and, together? And I Why agree. can't it be a space where we dance during farmer's market or I gather agree. for picnics? I Why agree. does it have I to represent totally a person agree. or history or culture? Right. Or, or can but, it just have all cultures and all people in, included? Maybe we put tiles in a big circle that represents every culture on the planet. My point is, when do we get to wipe the slate clean and start over as who we are right now in the community with the buildings around us that are there, with the people who live here? When do we get to do that? When is it okay to say, you know what? We're going to start fresh. And that's and my then the future point. Generation, to directly, where do we stop? To directly we answer your question. <laughs> Thank you. When, when hundreds of community members pack that Arcata City Council, hundreds, which never <laughs> happens, which never happens. So when the community comes together with hundreds of people and says, hey, we've elected our city council members to represent us, we would like them to remove the statue. And the Weot tribe, more importantly, comes together and says, we would like you to remove that statue. And then four of the Arcata City Council members vote Four out of five, that is an overwhelming supermajority to, to remove that statue. <laughs> that is democracy at work. We elected these people to do this job. The statue was put up originally by the Arcata City Council, not by a vote of the people. So the Weot tribe has chimed in. 
the Yurok tribe has chimed in, the Cherai ancestral societies, the Democratic parties, the Green parties, but the, let me ask all you the different Humboldt uh, organizations have chimed down. in. And so now is the time when we've oh. done the t- uh, work of the actual democracy to make it happen. That's but when the when. statue comes now down, the when the statue comes down, or if it comes down. What's next? We change. We're not the, we here change, to talk about that. I am here to talk about that. Let's, well, let's first let's go but, back. But, let, let, will let me, will she wait, stop well, laughing wait, at re- me when I when I want to take pride in my heritage, good and bad, for better or for worse? Like, will she stop laughing? She's smirking. Will people stop calling me a racist? So the statue comes down. What's next? The Jacoby storehouse? Do we just raise the whole land and bring it back to a forest? I mean, where does it end so that everybody can live on this land in peace and everybody can take their, uh, their oh, history and cherish it? Overwhelmingly, the people at that meeting you referred to were from outside of Arcata. It's my impression. And that relatively small, and even that, that most of the people identified as being from outside of Arcata. They were very threatening. They shouted down anybody who tried to express an opinion to keep the statue or to even have a, a vote on the statue. That we had, uh, at the meeting, we had uh, Chris Peters uh, representing the, na- the uh, Seventh Generation Fund who, who said, Can she leave the if, room? if the, this council doesn't act, we should throw a rope around this stack and pull, pull it down. Before the meeting, there were cartoons plastered to the base of the statue mm-hmm. showing a rope around the statue's neck pulling it down. That's why I referred to it as being um, a vigilante. It, because he, and I've heard from people identified with your group who say right. one way or another the statue is coming down, which means if they lose a vote, they're going to pull it down anyway. So uh, this is not lawful behavior. They've also expressed repeatedly said democracy is a farce but uh, as long as they, it votes the way that they want to then they're fine with it but if there's a vote that goes against it then no, no democracy well let's talk about uh, people who show up at, uh, at city hall meetings because first of all the statue is not only doesn't only belong to the the, the city of arcata people visit there in and out every day people come from willow creek uh, to 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 sell their tomatoes on the weekend people come from all over so it it, it doesn't bother me if you're having a bigger conversation not only the residents of our Arcata. Only the residents of Arcata get to get to actually vote on this. My question always has been, though, why why did it go from a vote when it was a city city council to me that seemed like they had the authority to do that? But let's go. Let's I said I'm gonna I'm gonna quote. I do it all the time. Aretha Franklin. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go way on way back when 1906. It wasn't that when the statue was actually uh, brought here. So we're talking about a gift, okay, because there's this thing about it was a gift. So the gift, uh, uh, what happens when the, when the city decides to take down a gift? So, th- so there's these uh, descending questions that people have from that 1906, yes, let's have this statue here. Um, so uh, I think I think the the woman who called said, when is it wi- okay to, 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 to wipe the, the slate clean? And, and my question was, why didn't the Arcata City Council, after, like you said, this has come up decade after decade, um, in this time frame, why wasn't it their ultimate authority to decide if the statue would stay up or not? Well, under the initiative process, the citizens of, uh, citizens of California, citizens of Arcata have the ultimate authority. And so the city council, under normal circumstances... I mean, d- so the initiative process precludes the council? Overrides the council. Overrides Yeah, them. so under the California Constitution and in, in democratic theory of, of the United States, 
the people have the ultimate authority. And the way that's expressed in California is that citizens have the right to to uh, gather signatures, qualified ballot measures, and override the city council. So the citizens always have that ultimate authority. Normally that doesn't happen, but if citizens feel strongly enough, they always have that right. So there's nothing sacrosanct about a vote of the city council. What's sacrosanct is, is ultimately the vote of the people of Arcata. Which will be November 6th. And this initiative that you put together as a city council person who stated to David LaRue that you thought it was illegal to engage in this process. No, I said it was illegal. Until you, until to you engaged, until, until you yeah, to, started. To litigate it. I never litigated. So in the Code of Ethics, it says, conflict of interest. In order to assure their independence and impartiality on behalf of the common good, members shall not use their official positions to influence government decisions in which they have a material financial interest or where they have an organizational responsibility, personal relationship, which may give the appearance of a conflict of interest. But you are so the behavior at that meeting was so outrageous. We're not I, talking about. We're I, talking about an initiative that you helped write, in which you stated that that statue can never be moved, for, can never be modified. Well, we cannot put a plaque up there. That? What was his personal? He wants to in keep that? the statue. He stated so there, a million times. But there, there's no reason that did not want. There's no legal, there's no financial conflict of interest. And he felt very pressured to do so because of the crowd that was there. So I think the city council, to some degree, Mm. probably a larger degree than they're willing to admit, had undue negative pressure upon them to make the decision. Not only because the Wiat tribe approached them, but because they had a lot of aggression and a lot of negativity. The Wiat people don't have the only voice in this community. Everybody that lives here, everybody that calls this their community Mm -hmm. has a right to have a voice. Mm -hmm. And at that meeting, I did not feel like I had a right to have a voice. I did not feel safe leaving my car, to go out to my car. A vote among the people is a perfect way for everybody to be able to respect them, present their opinion on this and vote in in a safe and respectful environment. If you try to talk about this, you're laughed at, you're mocked, you're shamed, you're you're brutalized. So there are so many people in this community. Yes, yes. One woman so, said they were going to scalp her. Oh, so, get out of here. No, the it's the people, truth. She admitted the it herself. The people have never had a voice in this colonial and, government and that was set should, up here. And you should, and I should. We all should. And we should find common what, ground and share this land respectfully. To answer our caller's question, the time to start to wipe clean is the time that we, as American colonial governments decide to acknowledge and listen to the indigenous people that they systematically yes. brutalized yes. and state-funded. California, the first governor of this state, said war of extinction against the indigenous people. But and they spent $1.5 million. That is not McKinley. That is the former governor but, of California. But, I'm not denying that, and I'm not it's denying... It's time to listen to the indigenous people of this continent, well, and when they tell it, you it is, but they not want at the, the statue sake gone. Of everybody, because you didn't want your your history wiped out and your people wiped out. All of out. our history is gone. You've, no, you've no, erased every name no, of every no, town, of every waterway, no, Arcata, of every mountain. Arcata is a name indigenous from a Indigenous people's history word. has been obliterated that is not on true. purpose that by is Manifest not Destiny, true. by that William McKinley, who took 90 million acres away from And I'm not saying there shouldn't be more, but I'm not saying there are none. You, you, you are stating a falsehood there, and you're misrepresenting. Oh. And I report. What's the, what's the yacht name of Arcata? Let's, Do you know it? I obviously can't pronounce it, just as though our host could not pronounce the Polish name of the gentleman that assassinated William McKinley. So that doesn't make me a good person okay. or a bad well, person. Well, let me tell you I what the historical context statement of the Arcata City Council says. 
it says that prior to colonial colonialism, there was 4,000 Wiat people living right. in what and is now called Arcata. And they were murdered. They were murdered and take out. They changed the name right. to Oketo. One, one voice at a time, please. We right. both live on this land and we both have equal rights to our We history. don't both have equal yes, rights. We do. The Wiat people no. do not have a say in here. One white man. They do not has live gone. in Arcata. They have. That I this has been their report, land for thousands of years. I, Due to I was elected genocide. by the citizens of Arcata, and I'm responsible to the citizens of Arcata so only. I'd like to get Lewis so in before I go to the next caller, because <laughs> I, I, I know you're at a disadvantage since you're on the phone, and, I, and we can't look yeah, at you, I Lewis. Sorry, so, uh, Absolutely. Um, I'd like to get back to something that was just touched on. I'd like to respond to some of Lisa's comments, because I think they're really important. So, Lisa, with your argument about the slippery slope theory, and when does it end, and when is enough, I think that, uh, that this is a, a, a critical point of misunderstanding, is that people that only know relationships of domination and brutality and genocide, uh, I think can only envision uh, a change to that relationship in an immediate reversal, and not in relationships that are mutually respectful. And I think that with, um, you know, responding to uh, about the Jacoby Storehouse, specifically the owner of the Jacoby Storehouse, uh, when he was uh, presented with the issue of the plaque, uh, was immediately supportive of removing the plaque and was really helpful. And actually, it would, if it wasn't for him, that plaque may still be here because that plaque is actually technically owned by Jacoby Storehouse and not by the city of Arcata, even though it's on the plaza. Um, but I think that the slippery slope argument or theory or, or fear, which I realize is, is really deep and must be terrifying about what will happen to me if we allow these things to start changing, um, the good news is it doesn't have to... You don't have... Cultures of domination and genocide don't have to be treated the same way that they've been treating everybody else since they arrived on this continent. So I think that there's a possibility for a better future where people actually can be respectful and losing the, that dominant position of controlling the narrative, the history, whose stories are told, whose statues are represented, what are the street names. People that are in that position and they lose it, I think there's, I think there's another way that they can look at it um, other than the same thing is going to happen to us that we've been doing to other people. And I, I appreciate I that, Lewis. I love that you are reaching out that way. And what I would love to see is when we all talk and we all share what's important to us, that we're not laughed at, we're not called names, and that we can actually sit down and talk about what it means. What does it mean to remove a statue? What does it mean to change the name of a town? How do we find a balance in this current world where we both live on land together now without exterminating one or the other? But, but Only one peoples were exterminated here, and it was the Native American people. 70% okay, of us were so I used the wrong word. But genocide. what I'm trying to say is, how are we finding a common ground on this land we share together? I'm sorry, that was a trigger word, and I shouldn't have used um, it. But what I'm wondering is, where, where do we find common ground, and where do we okay. find peace and, and respect? Because okay. until we do, there will be divisiveness in this community, and, and there will be people hating each other. She doesn't like me. And 
I, I've never done you've anything never to asked, her. You have no idea what she. Well, does. she's laughing at the words I use to so, express myself, and I'm not laughing at you. I, I have not done a single thing to demean you, but I the am. The wording being in that demeaned. petition is not "let the people vote." The wording in that petition is "the statue must never be moved from its location or modified in any way." So, and, and we, unless we, another. Ballot measure is passed, and we have found literature out there saying that uh, we should people should vote yes on on M because uh, they don't want to remove it; they want to put a plaque there. But if you read that petition, if you read what's in that initiative, it says never, nothing, not the base, no part of it can ever be modified. So that means even though McKinley abolished the tribal governments of the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Creek, the Chickasaw, the Seminole, the Kiowa, the Apache, the Comanche, the Wichita, the Hawaiians, the Chamorro, the uh, Puerto Ricans, the Filipinos, even though he did all that, with this petition, if you vote yes on him, we will never be able to put not a plaque. Not, not true. Let me read section one. Let me read section one. The following are prohibited. Modification, destruction, relocation from this historic place in the center of Arcata Plaza of the President William McKinley statue and or its space. Section two. If any time before or after the enactment of this ordinance, the McKinley statue and or its space has been relocated from its historic place in the center of the Arcata Plaza, the city of Arcata is required to expeditiously restore both to that location. Section 3, if any provision of this act or of the application thereof to person or circumstances held invalid, that invalidity may not affect other provisions or applications of this act that can be given effect without the invalid provision or application. Section 4, all laws, regulations, resolutions, or ordinances of the city of Arcata to the contrary are here, hereby repealed. Those are actually the sections of, of, no, uh, of the No, that's exactly itself. true. What would happen is if this passes, that until what could happen is in two years, three years, four years, if there's another, if, if citizens gather signatures or if the city council puts a measure on the ballot, then people could override this and remove the statue. What so would so the WIAP people like to see on the plaza? They would they, like to see not a statue of George Zender, a child slave owner with his name what, on the back of that statue. What would they or like McKinley, to see? What would they like to see? Mass I'm, I'm asking you, and child genuinely, what would you like to see? It's a statue of McKinley, see. it's not a statue but, but of Zender. But what would you like to see no, on McKinley the plaza? No, McKinley is a child killer. His if people killed every Filipino down, boy over the age of 10. What would you like to see there? If the statue comes down, what would the WIAP people... It is not up for me as a guest on WIAP land. No, no, you're a representative of the WIAP people. Lewis might have a comment on this. Lewis? Yeah, absolutely. So in the WIAT tribal statement, um, where they initially expressed their support for the removal, the efforts to remove the statue, they said that they, and this was just prior to the Arcata city vote, um, they said that they would like to see something on the plaza that actually represented WIAT culture and history. Um, the exact manifestation of what that would be uh, was not specified, but um, they did say that they would like to see something that represents and honors them on the plaza. So would I, in All addition right. to the statue. Yeah, so would I. All right, so that, that was Lewis Gordon on the telephone. Calling for the removal of the statue, Michael. <laughs> Lisa, yeah. Lisa Marhouse here, sitting in here, Michael Winkler. Uh, you've been listening to him from the, the city of, uh, of Arcata City Council and Eric Rydberg here to my left, sitting down that you can't see my left or my right <laughs> listeners, but he's, he's over there. Um, I, I want to say at this time, we, we can extend our conversation for another 15 minutes or half hour, if that's okay with everybody. Sure. Um, and I believe we do have a caller on the phone. Hi, caller. You're on Thursday Night Talk. Are you there? Oh, hi. Um, so my question is for Lewis and Eric. 
I had heard that um, the Historic Justice Alliance and the NOAA-M Committee have been working and meeting with a variety of different community groups and that there's over 62 groups and businesses. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about those groups that are supporting NOAA-M and why you think those groups are supporting NOAA-M. Okay, I'm sorry. Now, um, just before we get that, since we're carrying over, I have to do a legal ID here. This is Diverse Public Radio from Hubble State University, KHSU and KHSU HD 90.5 Arcata, KHSR 91.9 Crescent City, and KHSG 89.9 Garberville. Uh, th thank you, caller. Would you, would you reiterate your question again, please? Yes, my question was for Lewis and Eric. I was hoping they could please talk about the variety of different groups and businesses and supporters in the community because 